0: First Thessalonians chapter five, and just got a couple of things I want to mention tonight. I'll be speaking on man's flight from God. Uh, Romans one eighteen to thirty two, and explains a lot about where we are today as a nation. So that's one thing. Another thing is for those those of you who have keys when you lock up, just make sure that we go to the downstairs. Make sure that wooden door is locked. It wasn't locked the last time I was here. And there's a lot of a lot of homeless people will come and leave needles and and stuff like that if we don't uh don't lock that up. So um but hope to see you tonight if you get a chance. That'll be at six PM. And right now we'll be looking at first Thessalonians chapter five. We have the handouts over there and um and we really look into some of the studies that we have throughout the week because we've got it it's 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 impossible to disciple people and you know an hour and a half on a sunday morning and um and so it's nice when we break down into smaller groups and and um and really get the study of the uh, the word so let's go to the lord in prayer that he uh, uh anoints me to preach his word today father in jesus precious name you're you're such a good god you're you're a god of a second chance you're a God who forgives you're a God who cleanses. And what's the hardest to believe for me is you're you're a God who uses imperfect people to do your work, that you choose to use us despite our faults, despite our failures. And so I pray, Lord, that you would keep us faithful to you and you'd empower us. But especially this morning, Lord, the people that are here, they came here to hear your word proclaimed. They came here to, to hear your truth, not the fake news that we get hit with in the media, in the schools, in the universities, and from politicians, and even from many churches, claim to be churches, proclaim fake news. So I pray, Lord, that, uh, that you would cancel the man. You call fallible men to proclaim you're infallible. Your perfect word. And so I pray, Lord, that you cancel the man and that you would anoint me with your spirit to proclaim your truth so I wouldn't lead anyone astray, Lord. We're a people who love your word, but we're also a people who tremble at your word. And so may your truth be proclaimed today. I pray you give each and every one of us confidence and boldness, and wisdom to test everything that we hear today from this pulpit, test it with your word. Your word is the final authority, not the guy behind the pulpit. And whatever is true that is proclaimed from this pulpit, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would empower us to apply it to our lives so that we could be all you called us to be and that we would not be ashamed when your son returns to earth and takes his stand upon the earth. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Okay, so remember Paul started out this letter, his first letter to the Thessalonians. He thanked God for them. He gave them a blessing of joy and peace. He defended his ministry with them. He'd only been with them for a few weeks, okay? So he defended his ministry to the Thessalonians He prayed for their spiritual growth and told them that he longed to visit them. He genuinely loved these people. Only met him for a few weeks, yet he genuinely loved them. And he sent Timothy when things got a little safer and Paul had to go to Athens and then he was first Berea, then Athens, and then eventually went to Corinth and planted a church there. And from there, Timothy and Silas rejoin him. And Timothy brings back a good report concerning the Thessalonians and then Paul, even when he gets a good report, he still tells him, "Live to please God, be set apart for God from sexual immorality." you know it, it always interests me you know I mean when you when you look at proverbs, it's about wisdom versus foolishness, okay, and wisdom gets personified as a female and seek wisdom and She'll help you be successful in the eyes of God and this and that. But the foolishness is often personified as an adulterous woman. So it's really, you know, we, we need to, in our day and age, our sexualized culture, and there's, there's a philosophy behind it, it's, it's warped, but in our neo-pagan sexualized society, one of the clearest indications of living a foolish life is a person who is enslaved to sexual immorality rather than a person who is a slave to King Jesus and his Word. Okay? So don't take lightly what the world takes lightly. And uh, so Paul tells, tells them, live to please God, be set apart for God, and set apart from the sexual immorality of the pagans. We got... I'll be totally honest with you. we got a lot of people in the American church are are Christo-pagans, okay? They claim they believe in Christ, but they live just like the pagans do. They think like the pagans do. They talk like the pagans talk, okay? And uh, now many of their churches, the, the pastors are Christo-pagans. So, I mean, what do you expect? You know, the blind lead the blind. They're going to both fall into a ditch. But sometimes we have pastors that aren't, Christo pagans, but they just watered down the word to to be like Jesus. Uh, Paul tells them, hey, you love one another, that's great, but you need to grow in love towards one another. We need more love. We need more power. And uh, and Paul says, look, be comforted. When your deceased loved ones, you miss them, but if they died in Christ, when Jesus returns, he's going to bring our deceased loved ones with them. Okay. And then Paul moves right into telling the Thessalonians to be ready for Christ's return. And so two things we're going to look at, the first 11 verses of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. One is we got to be ready. we got to be watchful. Don't drop your guard, okay? we got to be ready. I remember sparring a 19-year-old kid, good fighter, Navy guy at the Kitsap Combat Sports. And I could hear um, Joe, the guy who owns the gym. I told the kid, I said, let's go for a light spar. And then Joe kept telling him, uh, he drops his left after he throws a jab. He drops it. So I, I was throwing my jab. and I was too lazy to bring it back up. And the kid was popping me. I was just like, I wasn't ready for the return. Now, Joe got mad because I kind of banged him up a little bit. And he said, why'd you do that? And I said, well, you kept telling him to hit me. I want a nice easy spar kid later apologized to me now we get really good spars but you got to be ready remember as a teenager growing up in jersey um me and my brother mark were raider fans we still are and um and the raiders were losing to the steelers the raiders had they went throughout the 1970s the best record in the nfl yet they never won the big game until i think the 1976 season and uh but this was early in the 1970s, and the Raiders were losing 6-0. They just couldn't get things going against the Steelers. And then Kenny Stabler came in off the bench and just drove them down the field. headed in from 31 yards out. The Raiders went up to 7-6. All they had to do was stop the Steelers. They got 4th and 10 on the 50-yard line. Bradshaw went back to pass. A guy almost sacked The Raider almost sacked him. And he just threw it up for grabs. I think it was Jack Tatum knocked the ball down. And then the Raiders, Jack Tatum and George Atkinson, two of the meanest defensive backs in NFL history, jumped in the air, feet off the ground. The Raiders had one, me and my brother Mark. We leaped into the air with them. And then when our feet hit the floor, we dropped to our knees. We saw Franco Harris in the corner of the screen scooping up the ball. Steelers fans will say he scooped it up before it hit the ground. Raider fans will say after it hit the ground, whatever the case it's voted as the, the greatest play in NFL history and went all the way. It looked like it took an hour and a half. It's just like, just just watching the season to go. And, um, uh, we had, we had that hope when the Oakland Raiders let us down. And, uh, you know, Frank O'Hara just died recently. I finally had to admit he was actually a good guy. He wasn't Darth Vader. And, um, but how many of us have had hope and we've been disappointed hoping in people and they let us down time and time again we got a hope that doesn't disappoint we got a hope in king jesus he is our hope i'm not i'm not hoping in the united nations to solve all our problems, okay? But globalism, okay? My hope is in King Jesus. Your hope needs to be in King Jesus. It's going to get, brothers and sisters, it's going to get real hot in the kitchen here in the near future for believers. But you know what? They they, they could take away your job. They could take away your money. They can even take away your family. They could take away your food. They could take away your ability to buy and sell. But if your hope is the Lord Jesus, they can't take away your hope. So if you don't come back with anything else, you don't remember anything else from this, we need to be ready, be watchful. And Satan roams the earth like a lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to take you out. Be watchful, be ready we have hope, a hope that will not disappoint. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, he just got done talking about how Jesus is going to bring us comfort when he returns because he's going to bring our deceased loved ones with them, those who were trusted in Jesus before they died. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, of Christ's return, you have no need that I should write to you. And he goes into verse 2, for you shall know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Okay? So, Paul tells us we don't need to know the exact time of Jesus' return. Okay? What, what, I, what I found, I think what everybody would find if you study the scriptures closely, is that the end-time prophecies about the return of the Lord, the end time prophecies are so vague that each and every generation of Christians for the past 2,000 years would think that Jesus could possibly return in their lifetime. That's how vague they are. It causes us to be watchful. Yet, the end time prophecies are so specific that that final generation will know for sure. Okay? Now, You know, Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, that's probably the image of the Antichrist, the image of the beast, Stephen possessed man in the temple. The Antichrist has proclaimed himself to be God, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And um, he's going to institute the mark of the beast on the right hand of the forehead. You can't buy or sell without it. At that point, Jesus says, head to the hills. Well, that's kind of late in the game, okay? But when the Antichrist goes in the temple to proclaim himself to be God, man, you'll know, okay, it is the end. Christ's return is near. Now, having said that, that's a little bit late notice for me. So they start building the temple, man, I'm thinking about. All of a sudden, uh, you know, City Boy is going to become... Frontier Fremont or whatever they call the guy, and uh, um, but uh, I know I could kill an animal. I don't know what, what to do with it after that, and uh, so good. There's quite a few people that know what to do with it, and that's that's good. Could you be cooking for me? Because again, I'm a city boy. Closest thing to hunting I I've come to is uh, Fred Meyer's and Safeway in the frozen meat section. So, and um, I see other city guy hunters there with me. And uh, but Paul tells us, look, we don't need to know about the exact time of Christ's return. Now we all remember in the Gospels, I think it's Mark thirteen verse thirty around there. But we remember in the Gospels when uh, Jesus said uh, that he didn't even know the day or the hour of his return. Okay, now look at Acts one verses 6 to 8. Now, keep in mind, Jesus is all-knowing and infinite in his divine nature. But when he became a man, he added a finite, limited, not all-knowing nature, a human nature. And while on earth, he chose not to tap into his divine nature and divine powers. It's called the doctrine of the kenosis, the divine emptying. Even though he had those powers, as God, he chose not to use that for his advantage. And God the Father chose not to tell Jesus when Jesus was going to return. Jesus, Jesus just tried upon the Father to supernaturally empower him and supernaturally give him wisdom while on earth. Now, once Jesus rises from the dead, all bets are off, okay? And um, he's tapping into those divine powers and that divine nature, Look at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Acts 1, verses 6 to 8. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're saying, you know, are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to come back and restore the kingdom now? Or are you going to do it later? And then, uh, and he said to them, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. You know, some think that Paul may have um, commissioned Luke to write to Theophilus the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And that's where you'd see that it's the times and the seasons, that expression once again, and that might, this might confirm that. But Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. See, so sometimes we just don't have a need to know. In the Marine Corps, I learned about that. Sometimes they told me what the mission was. And I said, well, why, why do we got to do that? And they said, Dick, you don't have a need to know. You're so low in the food chain, you don't have a need to know. Okay? And, um, well, we don't have a need to know the day or the hour, the times or the seasons of Christ's return. But then Jesus said this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So when exactly is Jesus coming back? I don't know. What I do know is this. We got to live to preach Jesus. Okay. So I don't know the day or the hour of his return. If you, got, you know somebody who's picking dates? Watch out for that guy. And by the way, you know, people picking dates, somebody's going to get it right. It's like the boy who cried wolf. You just keep crying wolf all the time. Eventually, a wolf's going to have to show up, okay? But you get, you get around a guy or a gal that's picking dates. Look, don't pick dates. Just preach Jesus, okay? Now, as you see things coming down, that should encourage you to be watchful and to be ready. But Paul said, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you Verse 2, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Okay? So we know that the, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It's amazing. Paul only spent a little bit of time, just a few weeks with the Thessalonians, and he already told them these things. Okay? And uh, and so we got to be ready for Christ's return because his return will be like a thief in the night. Uh Look at Joel chapter 2. Now, he calls the return of the Lord the day of the Lord. When does the day of the Lord occur? Look at Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, verses 30 to 32. And the prophet Joel says, says this. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And then he says, you know, it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's going to be, I believe, Jews and Zechariah 14 when all nations invade Israel that as the... The rapture of the church is occurring after the tribulation. There's going to be Jews saved in their mortal bodies as they call on the name of the Lord. And the mountain's going to, Mount of Olives is going to be split in two and they're going to be protected and all, and they're going to be able to repopulate the Jewish nation in the millennial kingdom. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be deliverance. Zechariah 14, 5 says, when the Lord my, Then the Lord my God will come and all his holy ones with him. And the Lord has said among the remnant, whom the Lord calls. But the thing is there is we know that the sun is darkened and the moon doesn't give its light before the great and awesome day of the Lord. Well, when do those signs occur? Look at Matthew 24. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. Jesus is talking about the end times. He tells him at this point, too, he doesn't even know the day or the hour of his return. Only the Father knew. In Matthew 24, 29 to 31. Again, you have those same signs in the sky. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Okay? So I believe I'm of the school of thought. It's called historic premillennialism. Jesus will return before the millennium, literally reign on earth. But I'm a post-tribber. I believe the church will go through the tribulation. You have these signs in the sky that happen immediately after the tribulation that announce Jesus' return for the elect. And those same signs in the sky, they occur before the day of the Lord, which is the day of the Lord starts at Christ's return, and then I think it runs throughout the millennial kingdom, which is why when you study the day of the Lord, and especially in the Old Testament, It talks about a fierce day, a terrifying day of wrath and judgment, but it also talks about a time of peace. So that wrath comes first, but then it goes on into uh, the the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ spoken of in Revelation chapter 20. Now, Jesus was talking in Matthew 24 about his uh, second coming, about his return immediately after the tribulation of those days. And in verses 43 and 44, he says this. In fact, starting in verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So in other words, Jesus uses the thief of the Lord terminology about his return after the tribulation. So I don't think that distinction, he comes like a thief in the night, a hidden secret rapture of the church seven years earlier. Some would say three and a half years earlier. Some would say a few months earlier. I don't see a secret snatching away of the church. The second coming of Christ is called the return of Christ, the coming of Christ, the appearance of Christ. Okay? I don't think there's two phases to it. Um, I think we need to prepare ourselves um, for suffering. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, immediately after the tribulation of those days, and Jesus says that you better be ready. Because when the Lord returns, he'll be like, be like a thief in the night. Okay. And, um, you know, um, it's like you're driving down a road and you're waiting on an important phone call and your cell phone starts ringing and you're on the highway or whatever and you're thinking, well, you know what, um, I'm not going to pick it up, but let me at least look over and see if I can see what the number is or whatever. And as you're doing that and a deer runs out, okay, look, you got to be ready. you got to be ready 24-7, 365 days a year. Add an extra day when it's a leap year, okay? we got to be ready all the time. You know, again, Satan roams the earth like a lion seeking whom he may devour. If you're trusting in Jesus for salvation, there's a target on your back. There's a target on my back. We have got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be prayed up. We've got to be diligent students of God's word, okay? We've got to be filled with the spirit. We've got to have the full armor of God on. We've got to be ready. Don't drop your guard. Drop your guard for a few minutes. Then after a while, it becomes a few days. and For some people, it becomes a few years. And, uh, you know, how had one of my former weightlifters, the greatest weightlifter I ever coached. He still holds a world record in the deadlift. And he uh, came and visited. And he loves the Lord, and he's he's in the Navy now, and he's getting medical training. He's way beyond Navy, Navy corpsmen and um he could he could get a civilian job making three times what he's making in the in the military at this point and um and he's getting back he used to be into mixed martial arts and now so he's getting back into that brazilian jiu-jitsu as well as his weightlifting and uh, and um so i asked him i said well you're still going to church he said man I just, the navy works me so long i didn't still have I don't have time. And God bless him. I love this guy like he were my son, you know. And uh, But I let him know. I said, well, you, it's important enough for you to find time for your weightlifting. And it's important enough for you to time, find, find time for your mixed martial arts. Don't you think you ought to find time to fellowship with God's, pe- God's people and receive instruction in the word? I encouraged him, listen to my stuff. He might be listening right now. He might be mad at me next time he sees me. He might pick me up and throw the old man a little around a little bit, but but uh, but whatever the case, I told him, listen to listen to my stuff online till you find the church, a good solid Bible believing, Bible preaching church. But that's gotta be a priority. Don't drop your guard. It wouldn't be sad if you just dropped your guard for a little while. And then you drop your guard a little longer. Then you drop your guard, and all of a sudden you're wondering, why did I accept the mark of the beast? Okay? No. No. You got you to gotta stay focused on Jesus. You be ready. Moment by moment, day by day. And uh, uh, so Paul tells us we don't need to know the exact time of Jesus' return. In fact, can you imagine all the... Think of all the great Christian saints... In the past 2,000 years, and let's say you're well-read and like a 1,000 of them come to mind, okay? You might be able to reduce that number by 90% if God would have told them, oh, and by the way, Jesus isn't going to return until after the year 2023. A lot of them, might, without that expectancy, might not have been watchful, might not have been ready. God knows what he's talking about. I, you know, I got asked, you know, once again to do the keynote address at our graduation for Cross Point. It's an honor to do that. I kind of wish they would give other teachers more opportunity and stuff. I and um but um but you know, I'm a busy guy. I gotta admit that and all. But really, do I have to stay after school till five thirty the night before graduation, typing up my I'm glad. I'm glad it turned out good, because man, I, didn't, you know, I just kind of it was just like just typing away and getting it done and printing it out and get up there and gee, gee Lord, I hope this works. But uh, um, but if you tell me when I was in school, you tell me a paper's due uh, in two months, then I'll wait a day. I'll, I'll wait a month and thirty days before I'll start working on it. So, how many of us would just kind of slime if we knew the day and the hour of Christ's return? Okay, um, how many of us, because we think we think we're going to be that one, you know, one out of a, uh, I don't know, out of thousand people that lives to be a hundred, and we're convinced that's going to be me. So it's kind of like oh, I'm sliming in my walk. I'm only sixty-five or seventy or whatever, and it's like no, we don't know when God's calling us home. And so Paul says we don't need to to know the exact time of Jesus' return. Uh, We do know that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. We must be ready. We must be watchful. We know in the last days there's going to be global government broken down into 10 regions. That stuff's going on right now, okay? Um, We know Goals 2000 didn't work out too well. Uh, Agenda 2000, is that what they call it? And so now they're on Agenda 2030, okay? And um, uh, the globalists, the, the demonic globalists, man, and I'm telling you, they didn't, they're messing with us big time. They don't want us in privately owned vehicles. Just, just study what net zero is, what President Biden is talking about. John Kerry, what they're talking net zero. No toilet paper. It's like, mm-mm. I'll... I'll start my own underground black black market selling toilet paper. I'll be I'll be a billion, I'll be richer than Bill Gates. And uh no toilet paper, no privately owned vehicles. Okay. And everything you need within no flying on airplanes, no eating meat. Bill Gates wants us to eat bug sandwiches. Um hey, it's getting hot in the kitchen. It's getting hot in the kitchen. It's not like they just want us to say, well, it's none of my business if that person's transgender or that person's homosexual or that other person's immoral. It's none of my business. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to bring my kids up in a godly home. I realize this is a neo pagan nation. That's not good enough anymore. Now you got to openly say, yeah, I really think that that lifestyle is cool. Hey, That's not what the collection of 66 books called the Bible says. Paul said, let let God be true and every man a liar. And right now, we got liars running the country. And they're running the local communities. Okay. But believe me, I saw stuff in the 1990s, the Kitsap County Human Rights Council meetings. They did the same. Anytime I quoted from the Declaration of Independence about all men being created equal, the response from the Human Rights Council was, well, they were, not a, they were just nothing but a bunch of white Christian males, so why should we listen to them? That sounded pretty radical back then. doesn't sound radical anymore. And uh, uh, I, I'm not picking dates. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. I do know it's getting hot in the kitchen, so what do we do? We preach Jesus, okay? And believe me, there's stuff, we're, we're, I got to talk with Pat today. We got a, you know, Philadelphia radio station wanted our programs on. I said, we can't afford it. They lowered the price. I said, we can't afford it. They lowered the price. Can't afford it. They're almost giving it away for free now, okay? The hotter it gets in the kitchen, the more people we want to reach. And praise God! With the limited funds that we have, we're going to be we're going to be doubling our amount of people that we're able to reach. And um, God is good. This is not if God's called you to be a loud Christian, then this is not the time to be quiet. Okay? If you're one of those quiet, the quiet Christians do powerful things. Loud Christians like me, we do some powerful things, then we put our foot our feet in our mouth and. It's a whole other thing, but but if God's calling you to be a loud Christian, this is not the time to be be quiet. If you're a quiet Christian, this is not the time to be quiet with your family and your neighbors and your loved ones. Speak the truth in love, and uh, we got to be ready for Christ's return, okay? What do I want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Just what I'm doing right now. I'm going to be preaching Jesus. And, um, okay, and then uh, verse 3, here's a little hint. That Praise God, you know, we, we don't need to know the day or the hour. God said, look, I'm not going to tell you the day or the hour, but I'm going to give you a whole lot of hints. And so we got like Matthew 24, we got the book of Revelation, okay? By the way, Matthew 24, those same teachings are found also in Luke's gospel. So the Thessalonians may have even seen a copy of Luke's gospel, assuming that Luke is the colleague of Paul. I argue in my uh, Hijacking Historical Jesus, the chapter on redating the New Testament, um, I actually argue that Luke was written in the 40s AD. Now i got a guy who read that chapter and dedicated his life to studying how early could the gospels have been written. And he got a master degree doing research on that. Now he's working on a doctoral degree over in uh, at Montage Church over in, I don't know where, where that is, like the Redmond area or something. And um, uh, But now he's coming up with quotes. Quotes, all the reformers believed the Gospels were written incredibly early. It was Enlightenment rationalism. It's attacks on Christianity, historical criticism of the Bible, and then finally Charles Darwin and Origin of Species that even in are conservative bible colleges and seminaries we've taken these later dates and so they may have already had access to at least the information from Luke's gospel if not the gospel itself and um and then but Paul tells them this we get lots of clues so they they knew uh, that the, the that uh we don't know the day or the hour they knew that there were lots of hints, and Paul said, said this: And when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So when the world is saying peace, he says, They, not us, they. When they say peace and safety, then destruction comes. You know? And right now, look who's getting blamed for all the world's problems. Okay? The Bible teaches that all nations will invade Israel when Jesus returns. So you've got to have all nations pretty much hating Israel, wanting to wipe them out. But Jesus said, you'll be hated in all nations because of my name. So Christians will be hated in all nations. We'll be blamed for all the world's problems. Okay? Uh, Lawlessness will increase. Just read Matthew 24 and then watch the news. You tell me what's going on. Okay? Do I know for sure? No, but I see it getting much worse than it's getting right now. So all I can say is be watchful and be ready. Okay, um, you know Joe Lewis fought a German fighter. He was a good man, but you know the Nazis had taken over in Germany. But Max Schmeling, when you study, he even paid for Joe Lewis's funeral expenses and stuff. He was a good man. He was apolitical. And uh, we viewed Joe Lewis fighting Max Schmeling as America fighting the evil Nazis. And, and in reality, Max Schmeling, you know, really didn't have political views, was not a racist, loved Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis loved him. But the first time they taught, again, too, he found that when Joe Lewis, he studied the films, when Joe Lewis, I think when he would throw a right, he would drop the left, and, um, and capitalized on that and knocked Joe Lewis out, I think, in the 12th round in a very one sided fight. Okay. The rematch didn't go that way. Joe Lewis realized I wasn't ready the first time before. Now, lots of fighters will say, I wasn't ready. Just more training, I would have whooped the guy. You know, Mike Tyson, I wasn't ready for Holly Field the first time. Uh, he wasn't ready the second time either. OK, Hollyfield had his number. And uh, but in the rematch, I believe it was in Yankee Stadium. I can't remember one of the fights was in Yankee Stadium. Uh, but Joe Lewis pounded him into submission, knocked him out, Schmelling out in the first round, broke, I think, three of Schmelling's ribs. And that ended uh, Max Schmelling's career. OK, why did he how could you how could you get slaughtered and knocked down the 12th round and then fight the same guy like within a year or two? And knock him out in a minute and a half, break three of his ribs, and end the career. Because the first time, Joe Louis was the first one to admit it, I wasn't ready the first time I fought the guy. You're going to have some spiritual battles this week. You're going to have some spiritual battles this month, this year. You're gonna have lots of spiritual battles before Jesus comes back or before he takes you home. Okay? Are you gonna be ready for those battles? You know, God God says if you love him, He's gonna work all things for your good. Wouldn't that be nice if all the things he's working for your good are spiritual successes? He'll work your failures for your good too. But you know, I grew up learning the hard way. Wouldn't it be nice sometime to learn things the easy way? And I don't care what kind of sin you, what kind of sin you can't, somewhere in the Bible, somebody already blew it. Okay? So let's learn from their mistakes rather than repeating them, but we gotta be ready. Joe Lewis wasn't ready the first time he fought Max Schmeling. We gotta be ready, we gotta be watchful because we don't know the day or hour of his return. But when they say peace and safety, then destruction comes. And um you know, you got the United Nations. They even have a verse over the entranceway in New York City um uh, that, you know, turning farm uh, turning uh, implements or instruments of war at the farm equipment. Like the UN's going to bring us peace. So you want to be the UN Secretary General? You almost always had to have overseen some kind of genocide, slaughter people before they even consider you. Eighty percent of the time, when the United, when the the old Soviet Union disagreed with the United States of America, eighty percent of the time the UN sided with the Soviet Union. And the U, I'm going to trust in the UN for peace. Globalism. We just get a one world government. We we'll live together in peace. One, one guy, by the way, I gave this lecture at a WANA leadership thing. You, the WANA people, man. The WANA leaders, man. They're, they're on top of this. They know what's coming down. And um, I always trained them in apologetics. I gave this talk, but only had one guy over the years who disagreed with me and talked about look at the peace that the UN has given us. Well, there hasn't been a global war since the UN started. Uh, I think we're on the, we're on the brink of World War III. To be honest with you, but, um, but he, I said they gave us peace, and I mentioned the Korean War since the UN started, um, the Vietnam War, first Persian Gulf War, Afghanistan, Iraq. I mean the list goes on and on. That's just that's just dealing with America. And you get in what's going on in the Middle East and in other parts of the. I mean, I, I, if that's your definition of peace, I'm not sure I want any part of that. But we're we're not going to find peace in the wisdom of man. Uh, it could be now, Daniel. We don't have time to look at it, but in Daniel nine twenty three to twenty seven, it talks about in the last days, the Antichrist will sign a seven year peace treaty with many, with people from many nations, okay? And that could be the time that people say peace and safety. Mm -hmm. Mankind has had wars ever since there were nations, and now we're going to have peace because there's this miracle-working guy, the Antichrist, signs a peace treaty, promises us with peace, you know, promises us peace. Now we're going to have peace and safety Uh, The Apostle Paul says, when everybody says peace and safety, then destruction comes. He refers to the signs of the times, too, as labor pains. Labor pains. When a lady is about to give birth, when the pains increase in frequency and intensity, then you know the birth of the child is near. So Jesus talked about earthquakes, famines, natural disasters. When they increase... In frequency and intensity, you'll know that it's getting closer, okay? And so it's like, look, we don't know the day or the hour of Christ's return. Our response should be, so it's no big deal, just slime through life. No, we don't know the day or the hour of Christ's return, so we better be watchful. We better be watchful. Now, up to this point, it sounds like, man, this is like, Boy, we don't, we don't have any, anything to go on, no? Verses 4 to 7, Paul says, now wait a minute. Christ comes like a thief of the night, but believers are not in darkness. We're not ignorant. Verses 4 to 7 of First Thessalonians chapter 5. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You're all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Okay? This, it shouldn't, when Christ returns, it shouldn't shock us because even though he comes like a thief, we were expecting the thief. Okay? And I used to like the Petra song where they, they called Jesus the grave robber. When the grave robber comes like a thief in the night. Yeah, he's going to do some stealing. He's going to be stealing, you know, he's going to be stealing some dead bodies, giving immortality to those mortal bodies. He's going to be raising us, but he's going to come like a thief in the night, but it shouldn't take us off guard. We know the signs of the end times. Matthew 24, Jesus spoke about that. Luke mentions it. They might have had access to Luke's gospel or at least the information that went into Luke's gospel. They didn't even have the book of Revelation. We got the book of Revelation. We know the signs of the end times, so we should be ready for Christ's return. We are sons of light. We don't stumble around in the darkness. If the sun went down, we turned off all the lights and it was pitch black in here and you tried to walk around, you'd probably bump into chairs, you'd bump into because you're ignorant. You're ignorant of your surroundings because of the darkness. We're not sons of, of darkness. We're sons of light. Jesus has turned the lights on. The more we learn about the Lord and his word, the more we learn about his ways, the more we see what's going on in the world today. Brothers and sisters, we can put two and two together and come up with four. We need to be ready. And, um, and so we should know the signs of the end times. We should be ready for Christ's return. We should be sons of light. We don't stumble around in darkness. We're not spiritually blind. Stop acting that way. We should be sober. We're not drunkards. OK? Paul says what, Ephesians 5:18, "Do not get drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. We're not filled with alcohol. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. God, the third person of the Trinity, act that way. Drunk people say stupid things. Drunk people do stupid things. Why would sober Christians act like drunk people? Why do we say stupid things? Why do we do stupid things? We've got to be sober. And then we're to be awake. Now, this is really, really crazy because our culture tells us we're the ones who are asleep at the wheel. In fact, we even got some churches in Bremerton that probably think Pastor Phil Fernandez is an idiot and Trinity Bible Fellowship is a dumb, antiquated, outdated church because we're not woke. So, we got a culture that says if you want to be woke, if you want to be awakened, from the stupidity of the past, you got to embrace critical race theory, some form of neo-Marxism, and uh, you've got to to want the uh, United States sovereignty to go down the tubes. Um, you've got to be uh, uh, view people through the lenses of race and put people into the categories. You got to hurt. Certain kinds of people. You got to be on board with the transgender movement. That's what you got to be to be woke. That's not woke. That's drunkenness. That's being asleep at the wheel. Okay. We got, uh, I mean, even the ACLJ now, Jay Sekula, Uh they've got lawsuits about federal agents going undercover. Into some of our churches in America today, really? We think the Gestapo is a good idea. And I mean, President Biden, you don't have to don't worry about it, dude, you don't have to send um, you don't have to send secret agents into our church, spy on us. Just listen to our stuff online or on Seattle radio, okay? We're just we're gonna preach Jesus till he comes back. I'm telling I'm getting louder because I see the dangers that are ahead, that's causing me to get louder. If God's called you to be a loud Christian, you get louder too. God's called you to be one of those quiet Christians, you share that love with people. And you quietly share that gospel with people. This is not the time to be in darkness. This is not the time to be drunk this is not the time to be asleep at the wheel. What the culture calls woke is to be spiritually asleep and hellbound. Okay? We want to be awake and alert as defined by the scriptures, not by our godless neo-pagan culture. Look at Matthew 24, verse 44. Jesus, after saying he's going to return immediately after the tribulation of those days and gather the elect, Matthew 24, verse 44, Jesus says this, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Be ready. I mean, one, one of the, one of the uh, pieces of the attire of the full armor of God is shoes for the preparation of the gospel of peace. To be prepared, to be ready to share the gospel. The gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus, it makes peace between us and God through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Marine Corps, Congress was going to get rid of the Marine Corps at one time, and they researched it and they found, they because they said, look, Army does, everything the Marine Corps does, the Army, the Air Force, or the Navy does as well. But what they found was, it was worth keeping the United States Marine Corps around because they're a force in readiness. They're ready to go in a moment's notice. And just by being a force in readiness was enough to keep the United States Marines around. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, the body of Christ, the Christian church, we don't have a Christian Marine Corps. Are you ready? If you're going to be ready for Christ's return, you're also going to be ready to share the gospel of peace with others don't drop your guard you know the nfl football has done so much damage to our concept of the church because nfl they practice all week and then the real game the real event is on sunday it's the exact opposite of the church sunday is to get you ready and prepared the real battle is uh monday through saturday How many of us are gonna just drop our guards and kind of slime and be asleep, spiritually drunk, and walk stumble around in darkness for a whole week? Won't we be able to tell the difference between us and the pagans that surround us? And then we show up on Sunday morning and all of a sudden we got the Holy Ghost. No. It's not a game, brothers. It's not a game, sisters. We got to be ready. We, got, we are sons of light. We need to be awake. Matthew 25, verse 13. The parable of the wise and foolish virgins, Jesus closes that with, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. We've got to watch. We've got to be ready. And then we'll look at next week, we'll look at the next verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We covered the be watchful, uh, be ready aspect. And then Paul's going to say in verse 8, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. There it is, faith, hope, and love. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 that all the gifts, supernatural gifts are going to fade away, but the fruit of the Spirit remains. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. We've got to have faith and love, and, um, and Jesus is our hope. I'm not trusting in, in the White House. I'm not trusting in the Vatican. I'm not trusting in the United Nations. I'm not trusting in the World Economic Forum, okay? I'm not trusting in the uh, climate change alarmists. I'm not trusting in CNN. I'm not even trusting in Fox News, to be honest with you. Every once in a while, they get somebody who gets it right too many times, and then he gets fired, okay? I'm praying for you, Tucker. But uh, um, you got to decide which side you're on. If you're going to be ready, your hope is not in man. Your hope is not in the wisdom of man. I spell hope, J-E-S-U-S. Jesus is my hope. I had no hope. At age 21 in the Marine Corps, I came to Jesus, and now I got hope. If you're trusting Jesus for salvation, you have hope, a hope that will not disappoint. King Jesus will return and make things right upon the planet Earth. He will gather his flock. He will gather his people. Jesus is our hope. So if you have hope, what do you do? You get faith and love in action. We'll talk about that next week. And you be sons and daughters of light. You be spiritually sober. You don't walk around in the darkness, and you be, for lack of a better phrase, biblically woke, not culturally or satanically woke. Allow King Jesus to awake you, waken you from your sleep. We need to be ready. We need to be watchful, and we need to know that Jesus is the only hope this world will ever have. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we love you, Lord, and uh, there's so much temptation to try to get us to conform to the pattern of this world or the way this world thinks. And we're being ridiculed, we're being made fun of, And and even some of us are losing our jobs. We could get to the point where we're not employable, where we're in prison. And um, Lord, I'm I'm praying too, Lord, for our brothers and sisters to the north. Pastor John Feeks and my buddy Scott Fenterrera, they're getting persecuted even worse than we are here. So prepare us, Lord, for the difficult times ahead but make us sons and daughters of light. Make us spiritually sober. Make us ready, make us watchful, and make us biblically woke, not woke in the eyes of the neo-Marxist, neo-pagans. But may we be alert and see the signs of the times and interpret them through the wisdom of your word, whether your son returns in our lifetime, during our lifetime or not, May we be ready, Lord. May we be watchful, and may we be ready. May we study your word, people of prayer, people that preach your son, Jesus, until he returns in glory. May we be ready. May we be watchful. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. All right, God bless you. Have a great week. Don't forget about the studies throughout the week. Don't Don't forget about tonight if you want to hear about man's flight from God. God bless you.